This episode of the Dicebreaker podcast is sponsored by Rogue Heroes Ruins of Tassos, the new game from Team 17 and Heliocentric Studios. Available now on Steam and Nintendo Switch, Rogue Heroes mixes classic adventure gaming with procedurally generated dungeons and roguelike gameplay for up to four players through online or local multiplayer. Choose from multiple player classes and team up with friends to combat procedural dungeons, explore an expansive overworld full of secrets, rebuild your town, upgrade your character's abilities and take down the Titans to save the once peaceful land of Tassos. For a limited time, Dicebreaker podcast listeners can get a 10% discount for Rogue Heroes on PC by visiting the Team17 store at store.team17.com and using the code DICE10. That's D-I-C-E-1-0. Be a Rogue Hero. Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 49. I've scrolled past the number, it's 49. Uh, <laughs> I'm Matt this. I'm the editor-in-chief of Dicebreaker and I'm joined this week by two of the team. I'm joined by Alex Lowlies. Hello Lowlies, how are you What's doing? What's up, my friends? <laughs> episode 49 in bingo uh, terms known as PC. PC. Yeah, I don't get it. There's no explanation. Um, it just says Design capital PC? P, capital C, like a PC. Oh. I got nothing for you. I got nothing. Yeah. yeah I don't get it either. I'll see if I can okay. find uh, a meaning for it. <laughs> uh, well, you're looking up there. Also confused and bewildered. Uh, it's Alex Meehan. Hey, I'm almost <laughs> always confused and bewildered, to be honest. That's how I go through most of my life. Yeah, every, every day is an adventure. Wow! Suppose, isn't it? <laughs> so deep. Uh, <laughs> we yeah, are here. Yeah. <laughs> no, you go. Uh, no, I like to think that uh... we we can be deep sometimes mm. and sort of speak about these important things as well as bingo calls. I feel like mm. lonely's might have discovered something. Lonely. Yeah, there was a very kind of knowing. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the, the, the meaning of PC49 is PC49 is taken from the popular radio show that was broadcast by the BBC from 1947 to 1953. Um, oh, and the yeah. name of the show was Incidents in the Career of Police Constable Archibald Berkeley Willoughby. Very long name. This wow. call, unlike the call for 22, which is PC Parker, has evolved over time become, to become copper and later to borrow the working class comedian Jim Davidson's catchphrase, Nick Nick. Ugh. So that's what that is what about. What is going on? No clue. I'm so confused right now. It's, it's even worse than when we didn't know, I think. <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah. let's go back. Let's rewind. Let's rewind. Let's rewind. Let's, yeah, let's yeah, go back in time and just... Like Back to the Future, we're just going to fade that out of Can we do the intros time. again? Please. You, <laughs> no. I, <laughs> but look, we're here now. Time moves look, in one direction. Value, valuable time. <laughs> um, look, all we can do is is move from from Jim Davidson, as, as the world should. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We are here, of course, to discuss board games and tabletop RPGs and all sorts of stuff what goes on a table. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, plates. <laughs> yeah, Gavo agreed there. That's Place what we're mats, here for, folks. Bowls, maybe. Maybe yeah, a yeah. vase. We're gonna yeah, all the things that go on the table. Expand out into cutlery. <laughs> What's your opinion on the spork, Matt John? I really like it. Um, 
Yeah, it's efficient. I tell you what, yeah, I loved as a cute. child was. Did you? Sorry, Lily. You go. I just said it's cute. Go on. <laughs> oh yeah, but did you ever have the um, the spoon that was also a knife? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a name for it like the spork. No. And normally you use it for like kiwis. I remember my my grandma got uh, me one <laughs> once, and it's like yes. a, it's a teaspoon on one end, and then the rest is like a, it was all plastic, and it was a plastic knife. And it's for cutting the top off a kiwi and then scooping out the middle of a kiwi. The problem with that is you're putting a knife in your mouth. No, I mean, you eat it with the spoon. Oh, where are they on either side? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, the spife. The spife or the the noon with a a silent K, of course. (laughs) Noon with a silent K (laughs) is like a... That's a very hard thing to describe in person to someone oh can you pass me the noon uh sorry the noon a spork at least like it's punchy you know what it is yeah i think spife spife is maybe i'm not sure about that either matt what's wrong with spife i don't i don't see what the problem i think because it puts me in mind of strife so it just sounds i don't know spork is nothing else right spork doesn't sound like anything else other than both spoon and fork it sounds like something an alien might say to you that could have been spork foon you know yeah Mm. yeah but it wasn't anyway (laughs) but it wasn't riveting uh that's what we're here for this did we say deep conversation in the opening is that what this is all tabletop related stuff. Spoon mm. and forks and sporks all go on the tabletop upon dinner time. Mm. It's still in exactly. the realm of what we talk about on this here podcast. Mm. Moving on. All okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's get into what we've been playing rather than what utensils do we use. Well, the problem uh, is, lo- Matt, I don't know if you looked at the sheet. <laughs> I don't know if you looked at the sheet, but there's not much to do that. So we need it's, a lot of filler today. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's been it's been a, a quiet week, yeah. um, in terms of what we've been playing from the looks of things. I'll be honest. Um, I've been playing mostly Sea of Thieves, which is not a board game, and so no, I yeah. Th- there is a tabletop RPG though, right? This is, is it? The, the desperate the desperate segue I'm I'm getting in here. Yeah, I think there is a tabletop RPG. Of You're right, because I remember Johnny being really excited about it like two years. Well, not two years ago because I haven't been at Dicebreaker that long, but like a year and a half ago or a year ago, a long time ago. Yeah. Time. Yeah. <laughs> a long. It feels like a long time ago. A year feels. Yeah, because like I remember he ago. got sent one. I'm pretty sure to the office. Yeah, but I don't, I don't remember him ever talking about it, which is why this is a surprise yeah, to me. Yeah, I wonder if he ever played I, it. Yeah, I wonder if it was a disappointment. Mm. That's why he's not heard anything. I wish but, Johnny yeah. was here to let us know. <laughs> I think from what I remember of uh, someone I used to work with having played it, I think they said was it was quite uh, convoluted. It was not Johnny. Sorry. Uh, too soon. Too as of soon. this recording right now, we still do work with. Johnny. I know, but for, this uh, goes out on Friday, so technically it works. So yes, yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> grammatically that does work. Yeah. Dramatically, we're setting it up. We're in media res right now. Uh, <laughs> Look, Matt, we live in a strange situation at the moment. We're in between timelines. <laughs> we're we're like we're like Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar. Spoiler oh. alert. Some reason my mind went to ten things I hate about you, and I was like, I don't remember the time travel in that film. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's the first Matthew McConaughey film you go to. My first is the one where he's really good in it, and um, 
like just the one. Yeah, the one. I don't even remember, but I remember him being really good in it. That's all I remember. Oh well, why? I think did he have HIV like... in it? Is that a thing? Oh, oh you're Dallas Buyers. Yeah. yeah, Dallas Buyers. That was good. Club, yeah. I remember it being yeah. good at least. Yeah, uh, so what have we been playing that <laughs> Apparently we've just been watching Matthew McConaughey films. I think uh, Mud. Mud is a good, underrated Matthew McConaughey film. Can I try something? Uh, unrelated. Oh. Yes, please. Hello. Fill some time. <laughs> Mian. Mian. Can you, um, can you take your own hand and slowly, off camera, come and poke yourself in the face? And I'm going to go like this. And it's going to look like I'm poking in the face. Oh, wait. From what, from what way? You need to what do it from you your right. My right, yeah. so this way. Yeah, okay, ready? Right. Here we go. Oh, wait, am I supposed <laughs> This is to great for the listeners. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, my eye. Oh. <laughs> Loading, stop it. For those of no. you listening and are not watching the video version, that worked perfectly. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was spot on. It was flawless. <laughs> Dad, stop. Her, she's poking me in the eye. Stop talking about Matthew McConaughey all the time. <laughs> Matt and I played Root, didn't we, Matt? We did play Root. <laughs> it looks like that's the only thing any one of us played this week. Yeah. It's been a busy week. It has been yeah, a busy week. Yeah, granted, there was a lot of working involved, but a lot of that work had nothing to do with actually playing board games on this end. Um, yeah, we, we did our usual... Well, it's not always weekly because we we shift it about. We keep it fresh, but um, we played our, our game of roots on on Sunday, uh, and you know, I'm just gonna get this out of the way now. Matt's already smirking. I'm not smirking at all. You're you've made this a bigger thing than it is. He stole. He stole the victory from me. It was a terrible experience. Matt Jarvis. It was. I know. It was. It was. It, it was, was most uncouth. It was as close as they come. You were. It was your turn next, and you were literally one point from victory. Uh, and yeah. I got very lucky as the Irie, uh, and managed to score. I think eight points in a turn, which was just. Yeah, it was very lucky. It was a very close mm-hmm. game. It was good. Yeah, it, it it as a lot of root games do go. Uh, towards the end, uh, people started ganging up on whoever was getting the most points, i.e., me. Uh, and you know, I just felt like there was a lot of vitriol going around towards. You know, I was just doing what the alliance do. Uh, I granted, I hate myself for it because I also hate the alliance. But uh, I was, I knew I should have tried to get that last point, but I don't know, I was just sitting there very confident in myself. You know, everyone else was saying, oh, I'm just going to do this because I don't think I'm going to be able to win. I was preparing to hold up that trophy and look who comes along, taking advantage of the fact that everyone else has been ignoring him, rolls up and gets eight points in one turn and beats me. It was, yeah, I, it did take, it took all three of us, so we were playing with all four factions, it took all three of us, essentially, to to stop your momentum, because you were steaming away with it at one point. Yeah, I was um, steaming, I would but, describe that as steaming. But yeah. Root is very much the kind of game where everyone immediately, as soon as you get a, enough points ahead to look like you're in with a shot, everyone just piles <clears throat> on you, and yeah. p- 
particularly, I think particularly as the Alliance, because the Alliance can very quickly, uh, in the later rounds, rack up a lot of points. Mm, uh, yeah. Ev- everyone just immediately starts taking out all the sympathy tokens they can. Mm, the the Alliance in our group has acquired a reputation of being the one you need to worry about. Because if they get into the right position, then they're just on their way. And it's very hard to get rid of them. Like, once... It's very hard to push them to a point where it's going to take a while for them to recover again. Whereas I'd say the other factions, you know, it's potentially easier to kind of just make things very difficult for them. But you have the counterbalance of the fact that the Woodland Alliance take a long time to kind of get into a position that, you know, they're they're racking up points and they're becoming a real issue. But um, no, I, I, I enjoy playing as them. Uh, they are really fascinating to kind of get your head around and, you know, like figure out, oh, like what's the best way of, where's the best place to put my bases? Where's the best place to put sympathy? You know, how can I fly under the radar? Which is often very difficult in our group because, like I said, we don't like the Woodland Alliance except when you're playing as the Woodland Alliance. <laughs> Whereas everyone else, we're like, eh, they're fine. Like, eh, it was good. No, I still really enjoy playing that game. Yeah, it's Even good. If I lost. Um patiently waiting for them to add the other factions to that app because that feels like the next step now is relearning a load of other kind of dynamics and how they interact yeah Just want the, the lizards it. i really want those yeah. lizards <laughs> I, i'm a little tangent related to root um yesterday which by this point won't be yesterday when you're listening i'm watching to this but you know that <laughs> Um, the later games who make Root, but also are involved in are involved in the Root RPG that's coming out this year. Yeah, I, I think it's due out in the summer sometime. Yeah, Magpie Games, which we played, it was very fun. Um, they released a bit of art yesterday that I just couldn't stop oh, looking yeah. at. Yeah, and I sent it to the others in our Slack group, and it's just this picture of this poor Mister Frog. He's just a frog. And he just looks like he's wandered into the wrong part of the neighbourhood. Because there are these, like, group, like a gang of lizards around him, like, being incredibly threatening. I think they have daggers or or swords of some sort. And he, he's holding two swords, but he doesn't know, like, what to do with them or... He's in, he's in trouble, everyone. <laughs> I worry about Mr. Frog, and he's got this expression on his face like, oh, I'm in danger. <laughs> I couldn't stop looking at it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I both feared for, I both felt love for Mr. Frog and feared for him at the same time. And that's the, the, the power of, of art, I think. <laughs> that's the power of art. Yeah. That sounds like, like an 80s this pop song. <laughs> <laughs> or like not even a power ballad song more like yeah yeah i care deeply for this this fictional frog that's the power of art yeah <laughs> i did i can't remember if the frogs and the lizards i don't think they were in the root rpg that we played we played the test version yeah yeah um, uh, i i don't think i thought you could be whatever 
whatever animal you wanted. I didn't think the animals really mattered. I yeah, think I think you can because everyone's vagabonds, right? That's the... yeah. Everyone is a vagabond. You're not like a you. You are all vagabonds. You're not like Wooden Alliance or, or like the Marquis the Cat. But I think you can be any animal you want because I'm pretty sure I I played as what, what was I some sort of beast. I don't think it was an opossum. I think someone else was an opossum. Anyway, there you go. Watch you go. our route RPG playthrough. Yeah, it was really good fun. I really enjoyed that. I, mm, I'd be good. interested in going back to it at some point. Yeah. Lolies. What's up? Have you been playing anything? What's up? <laughs> I realised that I played one game of Star Realms and right. I won it and it wasn't really much to talk about. Um... <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I literally played just Sea of Thieves and nothing else, I don't think. Just one game of Star Wars. Does Sea of Thieves have any uh, board games, like, games in the world? Yeah, yeah. no, I was It feels tra- like that should be ripe. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if there is. I didn't I haven't come across any. Uh, I've mostly just been uh, finding treasure and killing skellies. <laughs> mostly what I've been up to. Um well, also somebody it sounds like <laughs> Sounds like someone should put a warrant out because, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> behavior killing all those skeletons. Somebody, um, so we were playing last night and, um, <clears throat> we had this treasure that we just found like on our shipwreck and we had this treasure on our ship, but we didn't realize that this treasure is like worth 10k and it puts a marker on you so like other pirates can see where you are as long as you're carrying this treasure. Um, so we weren't aware of this so we were just like going about our business just like getting more treasure <laughs> and next thing like the ship came out of nowhere and just like destroyed us like killed us and took our treasure and it was like okay um so then we respawned and because they were carrying it we were able to hunt them down and like but there was only a crew of two of us and they had they had like a crew of four and we're quite new to the game and they seemed like they were pretty good at it and like we knew we were gonna lose but we were like Man, we're still gonna set their their boat on fire at least. So we did that. It's the principle. It was the, the principle. principle. So we chased. We did. I think we respawned twice, and both times we went and chased them down and like threw fire at their uh, ship because we were just annoyed because it was like, why are you being so mean? <laughs> um, and then and then we yeah we got bored of it and stopped. But um, as in we stopped chasing them down. We just played the game. But um, one epic ending. <laughs> it was just Sorry. like really fun just to um. Just to take our revenge on these people who were being mean, like, because we had a we had an incident a night or two ago where we played and we were going back to a port and we just brought back everything to sell, and there was another ship there and the other pirates were there and they were like, oh, we come in peace, like we're really friendly and we we're like, okay, great, and we were like playing music together and they had loads of treasure, um, loads like so much. And we we're just having a fun time, just like playing music for ages. And then I was like, let's go to the tavern. So we all went to the tavern and we were again playing music and having drinks. And one of them was playing music and he was standing in the door. And after a while, I was like, do you think he's standing in the door? Because we can't get out as long as he stood in the door. I was like, do you think he stood in the door because they're robbing our ship right now? And my friend was like, yes, I think so. And be- without <laughs> discussing it, he just started stabbing this guy. And I was like, hey, man, you can't just attack them without discussing it first. So, of course, they ended up killing us all. And um, and I was like, we don't even have anything on the ship. We'd taken everything to sell already. So there was nothing valuable on the ship that they could possibly take. Like, why would we attack them? 
Um, this strass, it, it mm. sows, it, you know, it sows discord. It was really sad because we were having the nicest time. And then when we respawned, they, they murdered us again straight away. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, um, that seems a bit harsh. Yeah. I mean, come on. You've done it once. Apparently they were robbing yeah. us, though. Apparently there was oh, something. Okay. Yeah. Like, we weren't wrong. Because um, oh. we got, like, we got some kind of, like... Um, What's you call it when you get some like an achievement, which was like you've been robbed or whatever, and we we're like, oh okay, so we weren't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I wanted to take away from that story. Maybe you should be more trusting, but actually, no, no it, you, like, it yeah. turns out that's the thing. That, I was really annoyed yeah. at my friend because I was like, why did you attack him without discussing it? There's two other people in your crew, and we've been murdered because you just attacked them. Um, and then it turned out we did get murdered. So I was like, okay, you know this. But well, I just don't want to be those people, kid. right? I don't want to be those people who always yeah, attack everyone you, we come across in the game. You you want to think the best of people. <clears throat> you do. But, you know, I think what we've learned from this, kids, Stick is to board games. If you think, <laughs> if you think somebody is robbing your ship, they, they probably are, so get stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> I like mine better. This is yeah. not an advice podcast for a good reason. Uh... All right, shall hey. we move on to some news? Yeah. I never said it was good advice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's kick off with this one. Uh, just an interesting little one that Chase covered last week. Uh, the One Ring, or the second edition of The One Ring, the Lord of the Rings RPG, is now the highest funded tabletop RPG on Kickstarter. Oh, wow. Uh, it's a little bit of clarification. So it's not the highest funded RPG campaign to do with tabletop RPGs ever. There have been a couple of supplements for D&D, uh, 5e that made uh, a little bit more money um, but in terms of being a standalone game uh, it is now the highest funded having raised um, so in Swedish kroner 17 million which comes out to about one and a half million uh, pounds which nice. is a, it's interesting it's a lot of money but it's also for Kickstarter it's not loads of money in the context of what board games um, tend to make I think mm. Frosthaven made 12 million, something mm-hmm. like that. 13, yeah. I think it was. It was yeah. Which, yeah. which obviously is an anomaly 13. by itself because that's now the biggest board game Kickstarter of all time. But it kind of shows the the gap between. Um, but also you're working on, you know, RPGs are a book, whereas yeah. Frosthaven is a box full of plastic and cardboard. Yeah. And so the, the costs are higher across the board. Yeah, um, I, I also think like when it comes to RPGs, like we've already seen like how popular D&D is compared to every single other like role playing game out there like whereas board games you know obviously there are board games that people particularly like but i'd say the audience is a bit more spread out between different you know series and and types of board games whereas with RPGs it is very much D&D and then everything else. Yeah. So, so the fact that they've made this much money is still kind of impressive. Yeah, of course. Uh, so for a slightly different comparison, so looking at it, the One Ring had about 16,500 backers, um, and I think Frosthaven had over 80,000. Yeah. So again, that's that's kind of the difference you're looking at there in terms of magnitudes. But mm. it's, I to be honest, I'm surprised that it's a second edition of a Lord of the Rings role-playing game that's managed to make all this money. Because uh, yeah. you would think that maybe Lord of the Rings is it's it's popular, it's well known, but it is kind of just it's fantasy. It's almost it's not a million miles away from D and D. Yeah, I mean it's not the most. It's 
obviously Lord of the Rings is still really popular, but it's not the most relevant property out there either. Like, it's been a good few years since the film came out, and, you know, obviously there are people who are into the, the books, and I believe there's a Amazon series coming out at some point, which should be interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's not like a brand that's really endured, like, because obviously it's not had an, anything new since the Hobbit films and, you know, people's reaction to those are mixed anyway. Um, but I think it's possibly because it already had an existing fan base. I think it was quite well loved when the first edition came out. And I, I imagine there were a lot of people who were passionate about that who were excited to be able to play the second edition. You know, after it, it went through cancellation and potentially, you know maybe wouldn't have existed if not for this mm. and uh, who's the publisher again free league it's free league yeah so they yeah. obviously have a, a track record of making a lot of money for these kind of projects anyway yeah. from tales of the loop and so on so yeah and they've dealt with with branded rpgs really well before like with alien so you know obviously some of the people who are aware of free league might you know have seen that and gone oh yeah i think this is something i can bet on so it doesn't I'm not massively surprised that it's done well. I think the surprise is mostly that it's done this well. Because, mm. yeah, like we said, most RPGs that aren't D&D don't tend to make this much money. I mean, I know... Oh, now help me out here, Matt Jarvis. What's the Norse-themed role-playing game that's quite popular? Um, I believe we covered a book oh. on it the other day. Mark or oh, Elven? No. Am I thinking of something else? No, it's um, <coughs> one I think there's a board game based on Oh, Trudvang well. Chronicles. Trudvang Legends. Yeah, Trudvang Chronicles. I think that's another one that's quite popular. Um, like, again, outside of, of D&D. But yeah, it's good to see other systems kind of getting their day in the sun, as it were. Hmm. And although, like we've spoken in the past... We would generally prefer, uh, at least I would generally prefer, RPGs from larger publishers like Free League. I would prefer them to kind of not go through Kickstarter because I feel like that's a more appropriate platform for smaller designers, like with ZineQuest or ZineQuest, as it's appropriately called, was. Um, but hey, you know, if people wanted to back it, so... Nobody forced their hands. Yeah. I wonder if with smaller RPGs as well, because it's that much easier to get, uh, people can pick up a digital version. So platforms like Itch are generally more popular because you can just put out a PDF. You don't need to worry about shipping yeah. and distribution until you've kind of proven that there's an audience for it mm -hmm. anyway, um, which mm -hmm. for a lot of those smaller RPGs, there might not be to the degree that you suddenly want to print several yeah, thousand yeah. books and try and deal with all that. Yeah. I mean, I don't tend to go to the print for the print versions of those smaller RPGs simply because the shipping is often an issue because they usually come from the US and so you end up, you know, you know, paying out a lot for shipping, which is just the reality of it. So being able to get like a digital version of those is pretty great and itch.io is really good, particularly for smaller RPGs. But you know, like sometimes smaller publishers like self publish stuff, it's good to have that funding up front if they need it because they're not rolling in in money 
Mm. most of the time they're doing this because it's a passion project and they hope that people will be up for funding them so but yeah there you go yeah but uh yeah i'm i'm looking forward to the one ring second edition i think yeah. it's, it's called the one ring role playing in middle earth it's got like a longer title but yeah it's the one ring. but yeah it's i'm i'm intrigued i actually own the first edition i've never really played it properly i've kind of flicked through here and there mm. um but i think it's always been that thing of for fantasy there have always been other games that have covered that i've never necessarily felt like i need to play another fantasy rpg that yeah and it's the case that obviously like tolkien is a huge influence for for pretty much every bit of fantasy you know media let's call it out there like it's gonna be either if you're looking that far back it's gonna be either tolkien or something really far back like old english sort of stories like Gawain although Gawain isn't so much old English do you see this is why we need Johnny here now because he'd be able to tell you he's <laughs> gone man expert. he's gone <laughs> <laughs> who is gonna correct me in my old English stories now um no uh yeah like I I did see they're hopefully doing something the one ring second edition to to do with the orcs kind of making them playable is that a thing in the new edition um i can't remember to be honest yeah that's the one big qualm when when was the first edition released how old was the first edition Uh, i think like 2011 oh okay so yeah and then this second edition was in the works for a long time from cubicle 7 which was the original publisher uh, Mm. until it was cancelled a few years ago and then free league picked up um yeah from what i understand this version rolls in quite a bit of the work that cubicle seven had already done um so like you say i think it's it kind of lives on in a new form it was more of a i think it was a licensing fallout between yeah the estate holders or license holders for for middle earth and tolkien's work and all that kind of thing Mm, yeah yeah i mean like obviously you know tolkien's got uh tolkien's work has its place and everything but i don't know like i do enjoy the films very much i'm not I haven't, I've attempted to read the books, but the writing style doesn't really gel very well with me. Um, and like my big thing with it is, you know, the, the way that the, you know, races like the, the orcs and, and what are they called? Like the wild people or something. Oh yeah. The um, wild men of, um, Dunheim, I think. Yeah. Like that doesn't, do it for me so much so it would be interesting to see an, a different take on that you know if, if the second edition does do that but hey there you go mm-hmm. my thoughts uh, alright let's move on to this next one Alex me and tell us about Vivid the next game from the folks behind Sagrada this looks amazing by the way <laughs> yeah um, the floodgate games who make they, they published Sagrada, which is a really good dice rolling game, uh, have announced this new game called Vivid. Um, the gameplay details are a little vague, um, but from what I could gather, it seems to be a game about kind of connecting a series of memories together of, of, of your childhood um, and then like using those to kind of develop, oh, who, who am I going to be when I, when I grow up? 
Um, so I think the big draw of it seems to be the artwork. Again, the only artwork I've seen is the front cover, which is really good. Um, but if the art is like the rest of... Sorry, if the rest of the art is like that, <laughs> then we're in a good place because uh, that front cover looks really great. You can see that on the news piece that's on the website. Um, yeah, I think you use cards to kind of... You place cards in like these memories in different locations, uh, and uh, there is seems to be a lot of engine building involved in it. Uh, it would be interesting to kind of learn more about how it works, because the concept of it sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, I like Sagrada. I've not played Sagrada. It was one of those games that I really wanted to, but I had people who were like, "Oh, if you if you." Was it they were comparing it to Azul, one of the Azul versions, maybe, and they were like, "Oh, that mm. one's better." So I never, I never got around to like playing Azul. it, um, but I, I've really wanted to because it looks beautiful, obviously, and um, just looks like a kind of game I would enjoy. Yeah, mm. it's really good. I think like it shares the theme with Stained Glass of Sintra, but yeah. at least for me, I found them different. But yeah. I've not played Stained Glass of Sintra, so like I wouldn't be able to comment on the comparisons made between those two. But um, yeah, so Grand is good. It's, it's it's there's a lot more of a random element to it. And I'd say the drafting matters a lot more than in Azul. Uh, but I really enjoy Sagrada. And I don't know, anyway, I thought people weren't as a whole. I thought people weren't hugely hot on stained glass of Sintra. yeah which is weird because thinking about it like i'm i bought stained glass of Sintra and then i never really i think i might have played it once maybe i don't even remember and um yeah i remember it just not being very popular as well so i don't mm. know i don't remember who said this to me or why they said it to me but maybe i'd already bought the one and they were like if we have it already don't bother with the other one or something i don't really know but hmm. yeah yeah well but I'd say both I and uh, Matt and I would recommend Sagrada. It is good. Yeah, I think um, there's an app of it as well, which I haven't played. Really? But okay. if anyone is kind of looking to, try that. to play mm. at the moment. Mm. Mm. But uh, uh, Vivid was um, created by Matthew Dunstan, who seems to have done a lot of work on escape room games. Um, they've worked on that adventure game series. Um, who... Uh, this is this might be another instance of me getting this wrong, but I believe Phil Warcarding worked on those. Yeah, I think it was uh, Matthew Dunstan and Phil Warcarding. Uh, this yeah. is with Brett Gilbert as well, right? Brett J. Gilbert. Because mm. they, uh, I think they tend to work as a pair. Says so in the article. You're right. <laughs> yep, it is Brett J. Gilbert. Yep. I'm trying to um, think. Is they do Elysium. Mm, I think do, that's yeah. like the game I associate with them most strongly, but that was quite a few years ago, so I'm sure they've done done things since. Yeah, and Elysium seems like a very different game from, from this Vivid, so there's no release date for the game yet. Um, so I imagine there'll be more details coming out for it, and then um, uh, there will be a release date announced. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Have either of you played Bosk as well, which is the I think the only other Floodgate game I can name Floodgate Games game uh, I can name. What is it? But Bosk. Bosk B O S K. Doesn't ring a bell. That's a no from me. 
It was kind of like, it was, I think it came out not so long after photosynthesis and it had a similar theme of kind of oh. trees. Um, but it was, it was really interesting. It was you, uh, it's been a little while since I played, so I might get some details wrong, but you, it's basically a gridded board and you put down leaves mm. as if they're falling off your trees in squares to try and cover as much ground as possible. But your opponents can cover your leaves with their own leaves. So it's like whichever one's on the top, um, I think, is the yeah. only one that counts. But it goes through different seasons where I think the scoring objectives change. So oh, you're trying like to... Like Wingspan. Yeah, yeah, I'm just looking of. at it so... as well. It's kind of got a look of like photosynthesis about it with the trees and everything. Mm. So it looks really pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it does... it's, a, it's a good game. It does sound like it shares a few mechanics with photosynthesis as well, particularly with like, how do you place your thing? Like, how do your opponents interact with that kind of try to screw you over so hmm, interesting. what does bosk yeah, mean i wonder i don't know actually I've, i guess i've never really thought about it. <laughs> uh yeah floodgate seemed to have a pretty good uh pretty good run so far ah mm-hmm. bosk Between. is a small wooded area that makes hmm. sense <laughs> that does indeed all right but do we sorry did you say we have a, a date for when this is coming out or nope there are all no right. details to <laughs> when it's coming out how much is going to cost? All right. Well, at some point in the future, we may enjoy that. It looks yes. like a lot of the games <laughs> are around 40 quid, 40 pounds. So maybe around that. Yeah. That's my guess. That's Lonely's guess. <laughs> get, you got it here first. Get your bids in. Get your bids. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, let's move on to these unmatched expansions, which was, I missed this contest when it originally happened. So this kind of came out of uh, nowhere very recently, I think today, uh, which is a couple of days ago as of this podcast going up. Yeah. Uh, but Alex, me and you wrote this story. Please yeah, yeah, I'm in, the ch- I'm in the shopper. <laughs> <laughs> William Shakespeare's down there. Oh my goodness, <laughs> is that right? He's massively confused by the existence of helicopters. <laughs> you're gonna have to get up to date okay well i'm not gonna explain everything to you i'm not gonna explain the chopper we're here to talk about unmatched okay so just deal with it that's what i'm saying i'm shouting out the window at william shakespeare big fan of Macbeth. gotta say really um yeah that's probably my least favorite. favorite That's not my least favorite. It's one of my least favorite. It's, what? I think, because I studied it for school, I'm kind of like mm. uh, about it. And what's the problem with that? It's just like you get to read it more. I just read it over and over and over, and I've seen it at least. I don't know. I've seen it so many times. It's good. It's I a was... good one. I don't hate it. It's just that <laughs> it's you said one. it was one of your least favorite. It's what? It, yeah, I mean, because Shakespeare's got a lot of good stuff. Like Two Gentlemen of Verona is great. Uh, there's plenty that I haven't even read yet. Um, same, same these. Um, yeah. Uh, it's even Macbeth or Twelfth Night. Big fan of Twelfth Night. Mm. I, that's one that I've been meaning to read, actually. That's what that's I was thinking in my, my head. My wife's favourite is Twelfth Night. Yeah. People underestimate Shakespeare's comedies. I think they're pretty good. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I think Shakespeare underestimated. underrated. Yeah, Shakespeare is massively underrated. <laughs> I mean, compared to his other works, everyone goes all about his tragedies and his histories, which, you know, are great. But, like, I think his comedies are I think they're great. I think yeah. they're hilarious. Yeah, he's got a, a yeah. whole thing about sheep in uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona, and it, like, cracks me up every time I read it. 
There you go. Well, this isn't a Shakespeare podcast. It yeah, should be. Not. It bloody it well should, should be. Yeah, it is now. Look, we don't get these opportunities often enough. Let's get into what, it. What to be nerds about with yeah. Shakespeare? Look, look. Well, at this. I, I really, if you, if you want, turn him around on Macbeth. Watch Throne of Blood. Throne of Blood is a, yeah, maybe the best Blood. Macbeth. Look at this, right? It's... I bought yeah, this. I, oh, yeah. I bought this I when I was like, tw- no, I bought this when I was fourteen. I, I dated the day I got it. That's how much of a nerd I am. For those of you listening, it's like a complete works of William Shakespeare. Yeah, it's, massive. it's enormous. You can buy those um, pretty easily, to be honest. There's about yeah. 10 different versions of them. Yeah. I got mine second hand, lit- which is like great. Yeah, it's literally like every the, the complete works. You yeah. could kill a person with that. Yeah, thing. it's got like when all his sonnets and, I... and poems and everything in it as well. Mm. Mm. When my wife and I moved in together, it was one of the very few books where we doubled up. No way! <laughs> Just double Shakespeare. Oh, amazing. I love yeah, it. It's that, yeah. Lord of the Rings, and maybe something else, but we don't cross over mm. often. Oh, that's mm. so sweet. I love that. That's really cute. I need to find me somebody who has a complete works of William Shakespeare, I guess. <laughs> that should be the first question. <laughs> that should be the first question. What's your favourite Shakespeare? Also, yeah. how many do you own? How many have you read? Yeah. Yeah, what's your favourite Shakespeare and why is it Macbeth? <laughs> I will say, I will say Macbeth is one of the worst like in terms of plays i've ever seen like there was this one version of Macbeth we went to see again we studied it at school and it was so embarrassing because like Macbeth is one of those ones that can be really good Mm. if people know how to deal with it but if they just go straight up for a full translation and don't try and play with it a bit it can be so embarrassing because the the witches and and all the supernatural elements just feel mm. they don't fit in in you know a modern day audience because you're not you know people were supposed to be scared by by you know the witches and all the supernatural stuff but obviously now a modern day audience wouldn't be they yeah we we kind of had to not laugh just to to not be impolite but then I saw a really good version of Macbeth at the Globe so. It's very much one of those ones that depends on how you you do it. Uh, but but there is no Macbeth in this in this board game. <laughs> there should be. I mean Macbeth Macbeth would make a good unmatched character, I think. He or would, Lady yeah. Macbeth, probably. Or Lady Macbeth, yeah. Um So pray but, tell, yeah, how uh, does unmatched work? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, pray tell to thee. <laughs> Um, yeah, Unmatched is a really interesting series. Or you've covered it in the past quite a few times because you know new expansions for it come out. It's called a game system, which I don't like because it com- it complicates things. But it just basically means that they can release a load of expansions for it, which add new characters. So Unmatched is this. It, they call it a skirmish game, but. You play as different fictional and historical characters, presumably that they can get the licenses to, um, and you sort of go up against one another in a two to four player match off, and you control your characters using a deck of cards, which I've not played it, I would like to, because the cards, you know, the decks seem to be really built around not just what you know, the individual kind of character's mechanics because it has asymmetrical elements and the fact that different mecha- different characters can have different abilities. But the decks themselves are kind of themed around what the characters are known for. Um, so I think Alice, 
who was included in the first release has like her vorpal blade and can kind of grow and shrink in size and things which is kind of cool but there there's this new release that's going to come out that um was created by people kind of from the unmatched community because there was a contact uh, contest which i also missed uh but the winners were announced by restoration games today uh and so four of the characters slash decks have been selected um those four were the genie of the lamp uh harry houdini the magi- the magician uh william shakespeare and rosie the riveter um uh but apparently there were so many good submissions that there will be eight additional decks being released in the near future based on the various submissions you know put out by people including one of the designers of the the, the winners um chet dudick uh and charles peters will be designing you know two of the upcoming decks so the first set released will be houdini versus the genie whereas uh shakespeare and rosie the riveter will be included in kind of future releases um so yeah it's exciting i you know it's cool that they're kind of reaching out to the community and getting you know you know encouraging them to send submissions and just it seems like the creators are quite deeply involved in the design process as well Hmm. um from what the press release said the apparently there there's a some sort of discord is there did the press release say anything about whether they will see royalties or no see if they've developed these to some degree hopefully that will be the case i would think so i hope so i think it would be really shifty that you've named the winners and you're saying oh they're involved in the development and the design process and then you don't give them Mm. any money for the idea yeah Mm. i think restoration games generally is is good with that stuff um, it... Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're literally hiring these people as designers. Mm. Like they've not just come up with, oh, what wouldn't it be cool if Houdini was one of the characters? It sounds like they've submitted a design for the deck, which kind of feels like there could potentially be grounds for, hey, that's I created that. Unless they literally signed away like the the rights to their design, mm. then I would think they would have yeah grounds to to get payment for it you'd hope they get paid for they it. say it, it sounds like they're involved in the development they've kind of been up front about the fact they're not just saying thanks for the idea and then running yeah, off from I... it so yeah yeah this isn't mm, uh yeah. this is not just cast any dispersions on restoration games who yeah. i think like say are generally stand-up folks um but i will say genie versus houdini is a very phonically pleasing title <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it makes it makes thematic sense and since they're both mm sort of magically related can you so can you match anyone up against anyone because i just spotted that they uh released some standalone features including velociraptors from jurassic park can you imagine setting that up against like sherlock holmes or william shakespeare i love that idea yeah (laughs) as long as i think that all of the decks are built to work against one another i think obviously some are packaged in with others Mm -hmm. Um, I think they kind of try to make them thematically appropriate. Like the, is it fogs? 
isn't there a fog like one? Cobble, yeah, cobblestone, cobblestone and fog. And fog, fog and cobblestone, I think, like has um, Sherlock Holmes, Dracula, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, and another one that I can't The Invisible remember. Man, maybe? Yeah, I think it's The Invisible Man. So they, they're all kind of fictional, like, London-ish style of characters that fit against one another. Um, but theoretically, you can match any of the characters and decks against one another. I think Matt Thrower in in the review was quite positive of the... Yeah. They played quite a few of the different decks, didn't they? they didn't yeah, the... I think that was one of the things that Matt praised most is the fact that it is, it's basically like you're getting two action figures and kind of slamming them against each other yeah. in some ways. Because it's, it's just pure pop culture mashup. Because there's, yeah, like, there's a Buffy pack, I think. Yeah, there's, there's a Buffy one. So uh, I think there's Bruce Lee in there somewhere. So there's Bruce like Lee real life people there, yeah. as well as kind of these, like you say, mythological. And So you could have Bruce v- uh, Bruce Lee versus the Medusa. Or you can have King Arthur against Buffy. and Yeah, yeah it seems yeah. like they're having a lot of fun with it, which is yeah. exactly what it needs. But it also sounds like it's a, a good game in and of itself. So Yeah, I, I think the deck element is the thing that really draws me to it. Because I think it, if it was more a, stir, a skirmish game in the style of you roll dice and then you have to use these calculations to kind of figure out who does what, I'd be less into it. But because it uses a deck of cards, I'm much more intrigued by the idea especially because i think the thing that seems to work for it from what i've seen from the pictures is that even though obviously you have these vastly different characters it uses a similar art style that kind of brings all the different universes and characters together to thematically fit like it doesn't look like you haven't got the jurassic park logos and and you know art style of that film next to king arthur like Mm. they they try and make them like seem to fit in the same game which i think seems to make a big difference but yeah no i would like to play it so there's no details as to when the next like lot of um releases based on these uh contest winners is going to come out uh, but apparently there will be information regarding it released soon. All right. And there is no release date for this Houdini versus Genie yet. So, but it's mm. going to be the first one of that lot to to come out. I would guess that they, even if they have the decks, they I think they all include miniatures. So I guess they need to do some sculpting and. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. But... There's no artwork for the upcoming releases or anything like that released yet. I think they've literally just announced the winners so um cool. at least uh and they have yet to announce the runners up so those eight additional decks that they're going to bring out but i believe they will do in the near future all right cool uh move on to this next one um which was written up by chase and was pointed out by wheels as well will sent uh, this to me uh which is amending is the name of this and it's a storytelling game um, that's part of this kind of newish genre uh, called keepsake games, um, which generally involve kind of like crafting something that you keep. Um, so I think they're kind of like a a sibling or kind of like an adjacent kind of subgenre of journaling games where you make a diary mm. and then keep that. Um, but amending is from Shing Yin Core. Uh, it's up on Kickstarter. I will check whether it's. Still, I think as... Oh, yeah, it runs through March 25th, so it will still be on Kickstarter by the time this podcast goes up. 
Um, but the really interesting thing about amending is that it involves sewing. So it's a game in which you, the kind of premise is that you get a call from an old friend uh, and you are making your way to their house, um, but it's not the kind of most straightforward or easy to traverse path. So the game kind of revolves around you literally sewing a map to your friend um, as part of the gameplay. Uh, and that kind of sets the stage for exploring your relationship with them and kind of developing your kind of character's background and narrative and so on. Mm. Um, it's worth saying that although I think it includes a little guide on how to sew, uh, so if you haven't sewed before, it will kind of run you through the basics. It's not, you're not going to suddenly be needing to crochet an entire kind of tapestry or anything like that. Um, it, it seems relatively quite straightforward but there is also an option for a pen and paper version where you just draw with pen rather than sewing mm. so you don't have to sew if uh, you don't want to or are unable to um but yeah it's just a, i picked this out because it was just a really interesting uh kind of smaller smaller game but it just kind of demonstrates the creativity that we're seeing uh particularly with storytelling games as of mm. late um and it's not something I've seen a game do before with literal sewing involved. There's obviously patchwork, which is abstracted sewing, put these tiles on a board, uh, but doesn't actually have you grasping needle and thread. Uh, so, yeah, and I think it, it's, rel- as with a lot of these games, it is quite, um, it's relatively uh, cheap. Uh, so the, the digital versions are 18 or £11, pounds, uh, so 25 or $15. Uh, and then there is there's a version that comes with like a carrying case um if you want if you have thread and needle to store uh, which is a little bit more but for a, you know i was just looking kind at of an this. interesting game yeah it looks stunning like i because hmm. uh, i'm assuming it's kind of like um it's kind of like a an rpg right but like a solo rpg um and i um yeah, I've always been a bit scared of them, I guess. I've always kind of st- like stayed away from them a little bit. But this, I was just looking because I was like, I want to pledge the one where you get everything, where you get literally like the thread. and Because um, you can back it where there's like a paper version or there's one where you get the cloth version, which you can then like wear as a scarf or a bandana afterwards and stuff. Ah, just really like, she's so got cool. pictures of like somebody wearing it. And um, it's stunning. And like that version is like a hundred quid, but it's it's completely backed up. Like they, they had a hundred slots for that and it's already like sold wow. out. And I'm like, no, that's the one I want. <laughs> so like I could get like a paper version, but I don't know if I want that one. So anyway, I'm like really excited about this. Like I have never been as excited about uh, an RPG, I think. <laughs> uh, or like a mm. solo RPG specifically, I guess. Um, as I am about this, this is great. This is like right up my street. Um, and it, feel, yeah, it feels um, like this is kind of like in my comfort level as well, to some extent. Yeah, I think it's a really cool idea. I love it when when board games and RPGs kind of take advantage of the physicality of, you know, the, the medium in terms of they're playing around with the fact that this is a physical thing that you can interact with and own. And, like, I had some friends who they they'd played Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and they had like attached all the different cards that they had used, like their character cards and like uh, the the aspects of the game that they had done 
to kind of make it their sort of experience individually and they had put it in like a framed like photo like a photo frame yeah. and hung it on their wall and I think that's so awesome to kind of be able to do that like to to physically display your kind of gameplay experience and I feel like this is what this is doing but you're you know deliberately supposed to do that yeah um as for sewing, I'm monumentally awful at it. Um, uh, I am just so impatient and I make mess on the back, you know, at the back with all the thread. Mm. Just get so, stuck all the so time. So impatient. So impatient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've been recently trying to get better at it because I want to have a sense of, I can repair my own stuff. I don't need to go to my mum and ask <laughs> her to do it. Like I'm you know, 16 years old or whatever. Um, you know, I can repair my own socks. Uh, domestic goddess. But, yeah. No, it sounds interesting. It's not... Sewing's not really something I would do for, like, a hobby as, as a relaxing thing. But maybe that could change. Hmm. Maybe I just need to, you know, chill out. I think that's... Sewing. One of the nice things about games like this is that it it almost gives you that incentive of... Uh, it's kind of similar to the journaling things like (laughs) some people find it hard to keep a diary and write about kind of their Mm. own day to day but want to keep a diary or be in the practice of writing something each day so it's just that little kind of bit of inspiration or just the kind of framing of it in terms of like okay you're doing something you might do as a hobby anyway but here's that little bit of incentive yeah Yeah. it's like it's a narrative or it's kind of like a character uh, Mm. Which is, yeah, it's cool. Uh, I'll give a shout out for Gion Shim as well. Um, yeah. Who made Feel Good to Memory, which I think we spoke about on the podcast before. Uh, yes. And also The Last Will and Testament of Gideon Blythe, which is a heck of a name for a game, um, which is also up. And I think might still you might be able to grab the last few hours as of this podcast going up um, on the Kickstarter for Gideon Blythe, uh, but is also kind of one of the proponents of this keepsake genre. Uh, where you are creating kind of keepsakes to to have and uh, kind of cherish after you're done with the game. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, I'm interested to see what more or what comes next after sewing. Uh, as cooking! To... <laughs> cooking and baking. I, I thought you that. said drinking and I was like, whoa! Drinking! <laughs> drinking! There, is... <laughs> there was a, a cooking-based RPG a few years ago. I can't remember the name of it. I'd love but that. It, was, it come was, diamond me the RPG because no, I it was it, it was like a fantasy style thing, but you cooked in order to kind of progress through the game or to level your character up. I can't remember the name of it. I will have to go and search it out. Yeah, um, but it was a really interesting uh, thing, and you were cooking actual f- food, so it wasn't like you were just cooking something and then chucking it in the bin. It was just yeah. a fun way of kind oh, of turning, that's cool. practicing cooking into uh, a game. Matt, do you know what this is leading me to? This is leading me to making uh, Great British Bake Off the RPG. Uh, that's got to exist somewhere yeah. there, right? Well, if be... it doesn't, hands off. <laughs> <laughs> this is my dream. <laughs> um, uh, make it... There is one by Sunken, Cru- Sunken Rust. I read it as Sunken Crust, of course. Um <laughs> called ready set bake that would make more sense yeah <laughs> ready set bake it's called um 
license. Yeah, but I'll get the license. Like Itch.io. The license. Itch.io. Yeah, I'll get the license in the Great Rish Bake Off mm. and I'll make an Do RPG it. and then I'll, I'll play it with Sue and Mel. I like that. See, Mian's been very clever about this now because she has managed to plug a project, but she's not working on the project yeah. currently. So she's able <laughs> no. to plug the it. Future, yeah, yeah. A hypothetical project. <laughs> Yeah, so in future, yeah, when she's like, uh, yeah, I've got something on, on the side, people will know this is what it is. Yeah, uh, call me back in five years' time. <laughs> what are they but calling I reckon it with it. Yeah. It's called oh. something, uh, it's not the Great British Bake Off, it's called something else. Which what? I think it's called, what's the, there is a, because every time uh, like uh, American Friends m- mention it, the Great American it's by a completely Baking different Show. Name. That's it. Or, yeah, the British Baking Show. So, oh, right. Yeah, it's, uh, it was highly confusing, but they don't have Ready, Steady, Cook, from my understanding. The, what? The creme de la creme of... They don't have Ready, Steady, Cook? British cooking shows. Oh, come on. Red like, tomatoes and green peppers? Yeah. It represent red... T- Lolis, are you a red tomato or a green pepper? <laughs> <laughs> so. No idea. <laughs> It's fine. We Matt, can move on. It's Matt, great. <laughs> Ainsley Harriet continues to be just fantastic. <laughs> Ainsley Harriet releases some excellent couscous. I yeah, would he, say. it really yeah. does. Just yeah. say he releases really some excellent couscous. There's yeah. there is Ainsley Harriet branded couscous, and it is, yeah, fant- is. It's genuinely fantastic. It yeah, and what I sustained myself on through most of university. Yeah, he cares so. about culinary delights. Mm. Uh, he's very weird. passionate about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and. And does couscous, so there you go. Enough about uh, that. Rubbish. <laughs> Speaking about of couscous, we're, well, we're running couscous oh. to <laughs> coyote and crows. I don't know. I'm trying, I'm trying to make We're running a little longer news, so I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. Give this one a plug and let folks seek it out for themselves. Uh, but just wrote a really interesting piece on Coyote and Crow, um, which is an RPG uh, led by an indigenous team, um, which is basically the much of the premise of the RPG is to work against the very uh, westernized kind of like colonized approach uh, to role playing games um, that kind of underlies a lot of things through violence and kind of the seeking out of violence. Um, but this the team led by, uh, say, indigenous designers and artists um, and other creators have been working to create an RPG that, that isn't that, that does work um, on a kind of... It's, I think it's powered by a similar system to, to World of Darkness, um, but the the tone of it is much more um, about discussing things and solving problems through something that isn't violence, essentially. Mm. Um, I'm oh, probably doing cool. a bad job of summing that up because I thought we'd have more time to go through it, but you should seek out uh, the piece on the Dice Breaker <laughs> website. Uh, it's really I good. How, I love how earlier we're like, quick, come on, let's <laughs> We need this. to fill this time. And then, of course. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, um, I'm not doing, uh, I'm not doing a good job of this. I'm not doing, uh, I'm not putting this across very well, but it is a fantastic piece. It sounds like yeah, an interesting project. Cool. So you should go and read that piece. Yeah. Um, just go and read the article. Just do it. And just as a very quick other mention, at the end, of the very tail of the news section, there's a free mini expansion for Small World that adds cop and solo play. Yeah. Uh, which you wrote a piece that. about me in. Uh, and you can find the link on our website, but you can also yeah. just go to Days of Wonder. It's it's just like a free PDF, right? It's You yeah, just yeah. need to own the base game, I think. You can use Small World or Small World, is it Underground? 
Uh, Underworld, maybe. Underworld, that's the one. You can use it with either of those. Yeah, it just uh, provides a solo or co-op campaign for you to play against, and it's mm-hmm. free, so yeah. you can do that. That's been another trend. We saw a lot of that last year, I think, as lockdown yeah. was Yeah, Days kind of, of Wonder particularly have been in. doing a lot of that. They've just been releasing free stuff for people to play and use, which is nice. Yeah, the fact it's all free you. is is yeah, it's nice. It's just variant rule sets for for one or two people. Yeah, g- so. good on you, Days of Wonder. Yeah, cheers, you... Days of Wonder. <laughs> you go, Days of Wonder. Uh, okay, let's move on to emails. Email, email. If you've got an email, I pause naturally now for <laughs> for the email alarm. Uh, if it you've is. got an email, need to get a email song. alarm. Yeah, Me, yeah email. we need to get a soundboard. Don't put me in charge of the soundboard because you'll be in trouble, man. Uh, you're like a living soundboard, me and uh, we have no need for. <laughs> that, that's how I communicate. I just <laughs> anyway. I just uh... use horns and fart noises. <laughs> Uh, if you've got an email for the Dicebreaker podcast, you can email us at podcast at dicebreaker.com. Uh, you can tweet at us at join Dicebreaker or just go over to the website and drop it in the comments there. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Alex Lolies, would you like to read this one for Alcogod, please? Oh, I would love to. <clears throat> Alcogod <laughs> says Hi, Dicebreaker. My friend's wife has had a hard time during lockdown keeping herself social, especially considering she has also had a second child during the pandemic. She does, however, enjoy board games, although she only really knows the mainstream ones like the one we should not mention, Monopoly, Mousetrap, etc. I thought it would be best people to ask for advice on other board games I can recommend and play with my friend, her husband, and his wife to help her during these rough times. She enjoys crime dramas and mysteries in her books, TV shows, but my friend has tried a bit of tabletop role-playing, and she finds it stressful. So I think board gaming is more her style. If you can be of any help, I would be eternally grateful. Love, Alcohol God. Thanks for your question, and congratulations to your friend on their new arrival. Yeah, new yeah, arrival at this point. Uh, I can jump in here with a... Go, with Matt! ...while you're thinking. So Go, Matt! if you're into mysteries, or if your friend's wife even is into mysteries, um, but tabletop role-playing proper is a bit full on i think sherlock holmes consulting detective is a good mm. way to split the difference uh because it's essentially like a choose your own adventure kind of game book in that you pick a place to go the text is there for you so you don't have to improvise there's none of the pressure of kind of coming up uh with the dialogue yourself but it is an open-ended mystery the mysteries are often uh like quite satisfying they are quite tricky it's known as an insulting detective uh, among a lot of people because you get to the end and Sherlock basically tells you that you've got everything wrong. Um, but the mystery drags are, you. Like the writing, particularly, I know that Wills uh, really likes Baker Street Irregulars for the writing. Mm. Um, the writing is generally very strong. It is basically like a living book that you can play. I think it works especially well with kind of two or three people tops. Um, I think any kind of bigger groups than that, it, it loses its kind of... Uh, it basically just becomes a book that you're passing around. Yeah, um, so it's a little a little harder much. to follow. But Consulting Detective is really great. Uh, I think there are normally like 10 cases in each set, and there are a number of sets at this point. Mm. Um, there is the one that is inspired by Jack the Ripper, which are obviously real cases, so you may wish to avoid that, um, yeah. depending on your own feelings about that. Um, but everything else... I don't think there are any that are based on actual Sherlock Holmes stories, so even if um, 
uh, the person you're looking for games in this case has read Sherlock Holmes, there shouldn't be any spoilers because I believe that they are all original cases. But like I say, mm. that is it's very much about the mystery. It is very story driven. Mm. There's the potential to do kind of voices for characters if you want to have a little bit of role playing, mm. but you don't have to. You can just read it out like it's a book. Uh, yeah. It's a great series. Might solve a mystery, or oh, even two. rewrite a little bit of history. Oh. Sorry, I can resist. Is that Ducktales? <laughs> yeah, it's Ducktales. Okay. <laughs> Ducktales. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I've not played a lot of uh, mystery games or games like Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective, so I can't really help you out with that too much. But I know that Johnny has recommended Detective, a modern crime board game, uh, which again deals with mysteries and it's a co-op game, so there's no stress involved with, oh, I've got to compete with this other person. You can work together as a group. I've heard uh, Johnny seem to really enjoy it and a lot of other people seem to really like that game. I think he enjoyed season one as well. Um, What's it called? What's the long, stupid name? I think it's um, just called Detective of a Modern Crime Board Game Season 1. It's just called the that, The original yeah. was just called Detective of a Modern Crime Board Game, which was long enough as it was. Yeah, no, you've got to add more stuff to it. So yeah, Season 1, I think, is actually meant to be a more approachable version of the original as well, so that could be a good place to start with. And I know that, obviously, that's more recent games, so it might easier be easier to get hold of it. And also, I think um, Escape Room games are really coming into fashion now as well um i think you've played a few of the exit series yeah i've played a couple of exit games yeah yeah i I can Uh, i definitely recommend exit games they've got some good ones mm. i think i've played like two or three and they had like varying difficulty levels um which is quite good it tells you on the front like approximately how complex it'll be um but i've really enjoyed them every time um i actually prefer them to real uh escape room games um because they last longer and they're a lot cheaper <laughs> and um and i feel like i i mean i don't know with real escape rooms i sometimes feel like i don't really get a chance to do what i want to do whereas you can kind of take as long as you want with the um with the escape room games in a box uh, i've only played exit games i haven't i don't think i've played any other ones but i know people There's like um yeah what's the ones There's some other ones that are really popular yeah there's the unlock series that seems to be quite yeah, it depends. That uses an app, of... right? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's Cosmos. It uses um, an app to kind of time you, but also you Exit. can enter in like. Exit is Cosmos. Yeah. Yeah, Are they yeah, both yeah. Cosmos? No, yeah, un- yeah. Unlock is uh, Space Cowboys. Oops. <laughs> yeah, Unlock is Space Cowboys. Yeah, and there there is an app that you can use that kind of enter in information to get clues and and. Stuff like that, which is fun. Uh, I'm all in favour of apps. Most of the time they do a really good job of complementing the game. Um, And I think that one, I think when it comes to unlock, it very much depends on the game you get. Because there are a lot in the series and they kind of vary in terms of the themes and uh, quality from what I've heard. So there's a Star Wars one if you like Star Wars. Yeah, the Star Wars one's decent. Your friend yeah. likes the Star Wars one. I think you played that one, yeah. Yeah, and the benefit with those, I think uh, I actually prefer the Exit series, but they're kind of one and done experiences because you, yeah. at a point you're cutting stuff up. Which ones have you played, by the way, Lolis? 
Because uh, I've only played a couple, so I'm, okay. but I really like them. So I'll have a quick look because I wouldn't know off the top of my head. Because um... there's the there's like the Egyptian um, tomb one. There's the abandoned station. There's the I think the best one I've played is the Orient like murder on the Orient Express. Or... I played that one. Yeah, that I one's played really strong. one that was in a. Um... Uh, sorry, this one is in German for some reason. It's in a, a what's the laboratory. I remember, I think that was the first one I played. I think that was gifted that. Um, because before that, I had no interest. I was like, I don't like escape rooms. I have no interest. And then I got gifted one for Christmas and I played it and I was like, this is great. Um, yeah, so I played those two. And then I played, there was like a bigger one. Um, what was it? It was like, did I have a lion or something on it? Or something else. Hmm. I'll look it up because um, I really can't yeah. remember. But uh, There are a lot of them out there. So there is. So you can just pick one yeah. that you feel like, oh, I'm excited about this concept. There's like a Spooks, or there's a, a Agatha Christie train, or there's, a, like Loli said, a, a laboratory. Yeah, so I played the Catacombs of Horror as well. Oh, yeah. I Spooks! Which is a slightly bigger one. Um, I The funny thing is, I don't really remember anything about any of them, so I reckon I probably could go back <laughs> and play them again and be fine. Because I'm looking at them now and I'm like, I can't tell you what happens in this at all. Um, that was an expert level one, it says on the box. So I think I struggled oh. with that like a little bit more than I did with maybe the other ones. But yeah, I liked all of them. I like even the one where, which was harder. It just means that like your score is a little bit worse at the end if you yeah. pick one that's maybe a little bit too hard for you. I think they do. They do quite a good job with the hint. It's the hint cards in Exit, isn't it? It's the, I think they have. So hint if you cards do get stuck, it's not like you just have to give it up. Yeah. They do have kind of built in, built in little hints. Yeah, and, uh, and like you if you use the hints, from. you like obviously lose some points. But then also, I think if you go over a certain amount of time, you lose points. So it's like, you know, what do you? Which one do you want to do? Mm. <laughs> at some point, at least. Yeah. yeah, but hopefully between those, uh, one of those will fit the bill. Mm. Uh, also, Mysterium. It's kind of like a different mystery, mm. but um. That's like a really nice, simple one that you can get into. And that plays with more people as well. So even like once the uh, lockdown lifts, if you want to get more people involved, that plays like up to seven, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think it is something like that. Seven. Yeah. And I think three, I think it's it's the same with three as with fewer, right? Like it's it won't really make a huge difference. Whether yeah, because everyone has less. their own yeah. clues, right? So it just it scales quite nicely. Yeah, yeah. that's a great shout. Mm. Uh, yeah, thank you for your question. Uh Alex Mia, would you like to read this one from Connor Watson, please? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Connor says, Hi, DB team. I've been doing a research and building characters for Blades in the Dark. Uh, I'll be running a campaign soon. And I noticed in most of the games I've run online or in podcasts, there are playbooks that seem to be skipped over, like The Hound, for example. Are there any other classes or archetypes that you see as underutilized or avoided in other systems? Uh, thank you for all the coverage and content. Thank you for your question. Yeah, thank you, Connor. Hmm. Underutilized classes. Uh, I mean, the thing is, I don't play an RPG often enough to kind of like immediately go oh i think this class is not used enough um i don't know i know i've had arguments with people about bards before because i think bards get a bad rap in dnd 5e because people are like oh we're just useless in battle and i'm like you just don't 
yet the point is that, that bards are better outside of battle and i like that anyway so you know i i find combat especially in D D 5e kind of boring so i spot i find especially if you're playing a bard you have to think outside of the box during combat anyway uh, because like you, you sleep just... all the time. Yeah, top tip. <laughs> sleep from <laughs> one bird to you. That's my top tip. <laughs> Send them you all just to sleep. sleep all the time. Send them to sleep. No, I've I've played bards in the past, and they can kind of be varied in terms of a support role or just use whatever wacky stuff you can get hold of to to get by. But they're often a lot more useful outside of combat anyway. Um, I also think sorcerers get a bad rap. Because people just say they're rubbish, like spellcasters. I think that's very unfair because they're just more specialised, that's all. I think at the end of the day, having some characters that are not as good at everything or certain things as others makes it great and more realistic, if anything. Because it's like, not everyone is good at the same things as each other. And it's kind Mm. of fun to... Like, we've got... um, uh, Are you a warlock, Morbid? What are you again? I always forget. I'm a cleric. You're a cleric. Having a Not cleric, you could tell it. having a cleric who's got like minus whatever wisdom um, is like <laughs> He's hilarious. Got nine like, in his wisdom. He's got nine. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> it's like minus one is the, is the thing. Yeah, his like, modifier um, is minus one. Yeah. I just like. I think things like that are great. Um, <laughs> so you know. I think it causes a lot of hilarity. I think people, when it comes to role playing games, depending on the system, sometimes take things us are more concerned with optimizing you know creating the characters and stuff like that than rather creating a character that's fun and interesting to play and sometimes it's totally viable to create a character that that is kind of rubbish at stuff just to make for an interesting narrative Uh, like i mean astrid did a feature on on the website highly based around this and like the fun that you can have by doing something like that um, I mean, I would say, like, for example, in Deadlands, I'm playing a campaign of, of Deadlands and pretty much every other character is what's called a huckster in this world, which is basically a magic caster. And sometimes it, you know, it can feel a little bit like, oh, I, I'm basically, from where I, I remember, I'm basically a sharpshooter kind of character. Like, I just use equipment and I'm more reliant on skills and things. And sometimes it can feel a little bit like, especially when you're levelling up, oh, people are getting access to these cool new spells and things. But the important thing to remember is, like, number one, you you know, I get access to more skills, which is also useful, just in a different context. But number two, like, I specifically have my character built around, like, this is who they are and they're not a hoxer like and that really works in our group you know dynamic uh, and it creates for some interesting and fun scenarios so i think when it comes to certain classes and you know certain character builds you know it's more important to think about what do they bring to the character as a whole in terms of their personality but also what do they bring to the group like how can you have fun with this so mm. there you go what about you two? Uh, I mean, I don't have loads to add on top of what you both said. I think like you're both right that uh, sometimes I think it's the fault of older games, particularly D and D. They yeah. have they've spun out of the likes of wargaming, which are very combat focused. They, obviously, 
we were mentioning Coyote and Crow just earlier, where the focus is on something other than solving issues with violence. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of those games aren't, they're not built to allow for that as a default. A lot of them, the default answer is hit it with a sword or set it on fire or do something that involves yeah. using very kind of like offensive attacks. So I think games that encourage a more kind of not not completely conversational because sometimes I find those games are a little open-ended and they become more like yeah. storytelling games, but that have a structure in place to allow you to do something other than attack. I think actually um, Monster of the Week uh, and Blaze in the Dark are both good systems for those kind of things. I think particularly Monster of the Week uh, the moves that you get, because it's powered by the apocalypse, they are often built around things that aren't just attacks. Um, so yeah. in our, the Monster of the Week campaign that I was playing, um, one of the skills I could pick up uh, was that I could basically tell when people were lying, which changes the dynamic of conversing with NPCs in a really interesting way that means that you don't always have to you know, fight things. Um, I think Monster of the Week also does a good job where uh, you gain experience uh, when you failure, think, fail a yeah. role, yeah, which yeah. is a more kind of it makes failure interesting, basically. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it doesn't just feel like you swung a sword at someone and missed. It kind of adds to your storytelling and your character develops through the things that they don't do and can't do, as well as the things that they can do successfully. So yeah. I think that's the thing. Is like. Sometimes it comes down to your character, but a lot of the time there are just certain games that you have to bend and break more than others to go beyond here with a sword as yeah. a kind of default position. And, and especially I'd say a game like Blaze and Dark is probably like said, one of the better examples because it's more a game about like heists and you know pulling off jobs and things like that and those don't ever have to even necessarily include combat. Like, you know, if you play a character that's designed to deceive or or stealth or things like that, the ideal situation is that you don't get into combat. So I think, yeah, systems that aren't entirely built around you're going to get into a fight, I think are, you know, definitely help alleviate that, you know, this class is inherently not as good as the others. I think, what about you, Luli? I think when you're, like, I mean, I obviously, again, don't have, like, a huge amount of um, experience in RPGs. Like, a lot of the RPGs I will have played uh, in recent years will have been through work. And in that case, usually we play, like, a couple of sessions and then I'm kind of done. So I don't really get to know a lot of the classes. And obviously, I, I would know what's underutilized because we play what we play and then that's that. Uh, D&D is the one that I've kind of been most familiar with. And I, I know, for example, in D&D, there's definitely... Um, classes and races that are avoided because D&D is ultimately an old system that has some problematic elements to it and so there are certain like classes or races that are avoided because of the kind of problematic uh, the yeah nature of, of what they are and what they are like potentially represent and um, things like that so yeah, I think it's probably... I don't know if that's a thing with newer games. Like, you're talking, obviously, uh, in terms of Blades in the Dark, Connor. Um, I didn't realise that the Hound is is not used a lot. I don't know why. I don't know anything about that. Um, but I know, like, 
for example, in D&D, that would be like one of the reasons why. I think there's obviously always going to be uh, classes and races that are um, just happen to be more popular because they seem more fun to play as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just from like what you see in a book and people will obviously like um, uh, lean more towards certain types of characters. So like me and I know me and likes to play characters uh, that talk like that kind of... Um, I was gonna say talk a lot, but that sounds like I'm being really shady. Like um, like your your character in, in uh, Blades of Derek is like a character who like very much uses like his, like talks to try and get out of situations, and that's what I'm trying to say rather than like yeah. talks a lot. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. Whereas yeah, like I, I know for me, I, I really like um being able to be stealthy and kind of dark and like you know um I feel like Johnny often plays like kind of gruff fellers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rough you know, fellas. Um, the class. I just feel like, you know, everyone's kind of got something that like, yeah, I'm sure everyone like, cha- you know, we play different things all the time, but there's definitely things that I think you kind of kind of tend to lean towards more so than others. Things that like you kind of favor slightly above other classes and races. So, um, and especially if you're talking in terms of like podcasts and stuff, um, I guess depending on the podcast and, um, or the video series or whatever it might be, um, I guess s- tends to be a certain kind of person who does that kind of thing. So maybe that's why they're kind of leaning towards the same kind of classes and races because they can, you know, certain kind of personalities sometimes lean towards that. That's what I have to hmm. say about that. <laughs> right. Thanks for your question. Uh, we'll end on a very quick one uh, from Twitter user Keenus underscore 10. Uh, which may be a, a non-starter because I haven't, but they ask, "What's the best die you've ever broken?" Which is, I think, a question we've we've certainly been sent before, but I'm not sure we've ever answered. I don't know if I've ever broken a die. I have. Have you? <laughs> yes. And I'm about to plug another video of ours. It's a candy and die that I made out of candy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I um, I think I did eat one of them. So I guess that's technically broken, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's as long as you're absolutely candy dye yeah. and not. So if you want to find out how to make your own candy and D dice, you can check out my dice baker video. Um, yeah, do it on YouTube. Good Godness, Godness sake, do it! Do it for God's sake! Yeah. I well, know. Yeah, watch um, all the others; they're great. I know my my flatmate broke a D four. How? Uh, I don't Ooh. know. She was Surely just... triangle the strongest shape. Yeah, yeah, be I the know. hardest to break. Uh, we were, I think, we were playing Deadlands actually, and they they suddenly stopped and like held up their D four and like a chip of it up the top ah. had broken off. <laughs> I don't know what they've been doing to it, <laughs> but hey, that's a hazard. I can't believe mm. we're calling to... ourselves dice breakers and. Nobody yeah, not breaking any dice. In f- fairness, now that I think about it, it wasn't me, but I I once reviewed a game and it had maybe the worst dice I've ever used. Uh, I think it was a roll and write game. It was like it was very clear that they had not put a lot of production budget into the dice. Right. Um, and it arrived, and they were like a lot of the um, pips weren't visible. I think several of the dice were kind of like chipped or had scuffed the edges off. I guess in transit. Oh wow! And that was, it was a real bad because dice, by and large, dice are pretty easy sturdy, and right? Cheap to manufacture, yeah. yeah, and are relatively cheap to manufacture at a level where, you know, what a normal dice looks like or a normal die looks like, 
you know, you can you can get to a standard quality level of dice without having to blow the budget on mm. anything too fancy. Yeah. But these I were feel... shocking. They were really bad. I feel but... like if your dice are breaking, they're low quality. That's the only thing I can imagine. Mm. Either that or you're like deliberately trying to to destroy. Like, and in a... I, I've <laughs> never had even plastic dice, you know, break on me. So, And in a Roland right as well. There are two. There are two yeah. key ingredients in a roll and write: the pad that you write on and the dice what and the you dice roll. Dice that you roll. So to have the dice be so bad was yeah. There was it wasn't a great game either, but it was it was a pretty shocking. Oh, uh, heavy burns coming out of you from match. Like I'm not naming the game because part of me can't remember it. It was a couple of years ago, um, but it was yeah, it was bad. But I like I say I don't think I've ever I've never broken a a die otherwise i've broken a lot of miniatures and i've broken other components and spilt things on cards and oh yeah we've all done that dice generally are the the cockroaches of the board game industry. yeah they survive (laughs) yeah we've we've all spilt a drink on a load of cards before i've done that several times Uh, and you always hope it's a game that you own (laughs) so you don't have to apologize anyway Thanks for your question. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and with that, we will draw this week's Dicebreaker podcast to a close. It's worth saying, we kind of mentioned it up the, the front of the the podcast. He's not here with us, but this is Johnny's last week at Dicebreaker. It will have been his last week by the time this goes up. Yeah, um, his last day will have been Thursday. He's flown the coop. Um, yeah, and if you and missed it, like... we did a live stream with him yesterday. I'm saying that yeah. as if we'd already did it. But um, it will be yeah. his last painting stream with us and we're all joining him for us some good old-fashioned painting yeah Yeah. and it's we've got a piece up on the website um just kind of like celebrating what johnny's project icebreaker because we love him very much and we'll be we'll be sad to see him go but excited to see what comes next for him and what comes next for us because we are hiring so if you're interested in being another face on this podcast and making i need to see your face i love i love that you said face on this podcast yeah (laughs) okay all voice or you know if you want to be part of team dicebreaker we're hiring so head on over to the website um but yeah we'll we'll miss you johnny i'm almost said it won't be the last time we see johnny on some sort of dicebreaker video he'll pop up here yeah he'll always be welcome he's like he's Um, like a bad rash we can't get rid of him that's the (laughs) that's the good send-off uh we've got a couple more dungeon breaker episodes as well so there will be a little bit more johnny even in the short term um but yeah thanks johnny for for everything yeah thanks we'll we'll whisper your name in the wind yeah and (laughs) then he will appear yeah you'll hear the distant sound of interesting facts about medieval literature um, he's like shadow facts like Mm. you whistle into the wind and yeah uh, gallops in uh, uh, but outside of uh, Johnny's farewell stream Alex Lowley's yes. grasping honey who turns, yeah. well by the time this podcast goes up, honey will be will 16, have had a birthday yeah, it's her 16th birthday no. look at her <laughs> that she cat. looks terrified. Um, anyway, yeah, like, oh. you weren't going to ask me what else is happening on the What's video. coming up on youtubecom dicebreaker yeah. yes. For once, I'm actually ready for this. Um, <gasps> I can tell you that on Wednesday, which is Honey's birthday, by the way, we will have put up a video um, of a today we played um, with me and myself. We um, had a quick, uh, a little look at a preview, I should say, 
at um, a game by the maker of Cosmic Frog. So you should check mm. that out because uh, we'll be sharing our thoughts with you in that in that little video, or we will have done um, on Wednesday. Thursday, as I said, was the will have been the painting stream. Um, tomorrow is episode two of Dungeon Breakers. So join us um, with that with that for that yeah. at approximately three p.m. GMT. Uh, some of us may or may not be in the chat. Must be gobbled by myself. Just saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm in there relatively often. Yeah, we're always going to be there, all of us. But anyway, um, and on uh, Sunday. Uh, myself and Wheels will have filmed a Let's Play. Um, it's currently between two games, so I'm not going to say which one it is. But we'll, <laughs> I, we'll have done actually um, yeah, a Let's Play of, of one of these two games. So check it out Ooh, to find out which mystery. game it is. Yeah, because uh, Wheels is off today for his birthday. So happy birthday, Wheels, yeah, as well. Yes. A I week will. of birthdays and yeah. All of the best events. birthdays, but especially him. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, over on Dicebreaker.com, uh, of course, we have our daily news, courtesy of me and myself and Chase, our wonderful news writer. Um, we have a feature up this week um, by Isabel Lichtenstein um, about how D&D provides a safe space uh, for members of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, me and I think we plugged it last week, but your Chroma preview went up this week. Uh, yep. Which sounds like an interesting, if maybe not uh, interesting enough, uh, board game. It sounds like a cool concept that maybe isn't the kind of thing you want to uh, invest a load of money into. Yeah, it's all right. Like, yeah. It just doesn't have a lot of, um, what's the word, investment value in terms of once you've played it a few times, you've kind of got the gist of, of how it goes. So yeah. but there you go. It's a, it's a really interesting preview. It kind of yeah. uh, gave me a good idea of that game, so I would go and check that out. Uh, I forgot to mention this last week, so I'm going to give it a plug here. Uh, Chase wrote up a really uh, kind of a really good summary of a not good um, uh, event uh, involving the perfect RPG on Kickstarter um, and the involvement uh, of a designer, which then led to uh, the, uh, the project being cancelled. Uh, and various designers coming out and saying they were not aware um, mm. of this particular designer being involved. Um, it's quite a lot to get into on the podcast, so I'd go and read Chase's fantastic don't summary, which I forgot to uh, mention last week. Do it. We were running short on time then. Uh, I'll also say we mentioned Matt Froer earlier in the podcast, but Matt Froer won uh, the Good Games Writing Award for Best Tabletop Coverage. Yay, Matt! Um, well done for his piece, which went up last year. So I'm just mentioning it now with this fantastic uh, achievement. Uh, it was on how friendly local game stores are coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, mm. It's a heck of a piece. Award winning, you might say. Yes. Um, so absolutely uh, go and read it if you have not read it yet. Just do uh, it. But we, w- we will have a lot more coming up on Dicebreaker.com. <laughs> Why won't you do it? <laughs> and YouTube.com slash Dicebreaker. We will be back next Friday with the Dicebreaker podcast once again. But until then, thank you, Alex Lowlies. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Alex Meehan. Uh, I've been Matt Jarvis thank you for listening stay safe out there look after yourselves and until we meet again have a lovely day bye bye